So welcome back to Minadops Let's Talk, a podcast that brings you valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. My name is Sally, and I'm an education coordinator at Minadops. And I'm Chris, and I'm an education coordinator as well. So Sunny, we are continuing our five-part series for families who are in the adoptive process. We've covered the moment when families are licensed and waiting for something to happen. And then we went to the matching process and what to expect. And today's, during today's podcast, our guests will share what goes into an adoptive transition. So we are happy to have Jory from Ampersand Families join us today. Welcome, Jory. Thank you. It's exciting to be here. Yeah. So Jory, your title is actually Senior Permanency Specialist, which is also referred to as a child-specific recruiter. So people might hear me refer to you as a CSR. Um, could you explain what you do and what your role is on a youth team? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a CSR, child-specific recruitment, um, ampersand families, our agency really focuses on permanency for youth over the age of 10. So we're usually working with teenagers or a sibling group where one of the youth is over 10. Um, what we really do is we try to navigate um, the youth's background and look for permanent connections either through their already established network or um, new relationships that we can develop. Um, really at Ampersand Families, what we're trying to shift our focus towards is looking into birth family and kinship relationships first. So that's identifying folks that um, youth are related to, that they know or they might not yet, or just folks that they already have in their corner that we can talk to about permanency and just being lifelong connections. Um, another way that we do this is that we also access um, folks who are looking to adopt in a more traditional sense, you can call it, uh, foster to adopt programs that are interested in permanency for youth over the age of 10. Um, and we just try to be creative as we can and meet the, meet the youth specific needs to um, find them the right family that works for them. Great, and I think it's important for listeners to know that Ampersand Families is a private agency that has that public private adoption initiative contract with the state. So um, private agencies might have some different requirements than a county would for working towards a transition, um, transitioning a youth into an adoptive home. Yeah. yeah so once an, an adoptive match has been made, um, you've been working with the youth probably for close to a year, maybe more or less, but um, does the youth just move right in? Yeah, so no. <laughs> Obviously not. I think that's a really good question, but there's so many steps to just make this as successful as possible. I think the biggest thing that we really want to focus on that once we've established that match and we know that we want to move forward with a bigger relationship and probably placement, um, there really needs to be um, some pretty intense conversations to make sure everyone feels supported, resources are identified, and that we're really trying to, you know, mitigate and stay away from um, potential disruption. We really want the relationship to be successful. So there's quite a few steps in the middle to um, just make sure everyone's supported and has their needs met as we move forward. So do you have um, like a transition calendar or a plan that's put in yeah. place then for? Yeah, so, you know, as you probably already talked about, like when you go through the whole matching and collateral process, you get to the point where all the information has been shared and that we are approaching the point where you tell the youth that this is someone we'd like to introduce to their lives. And um, 
before that time, you know, there's just a lot of conversations to make sure we have all of the communication channels open with the entire team to be as prepared as we can for that moment. Um, after matching collaterals, I think one of the next steps that folks typically take, and especially from ampersand families, is that we really want to build a transition calendar, which looks like we find a moment that um, youth are going to learn about this potential permanency option. So that's a day that we would go out, we're going to tell them about it, you would share a little bit more of the family, either in like a, a book or um, some sort of video that they create to introduce themselves. And then pretty quickly after, um, we want the family to meet the youth. And I think that approach really is designed to mitigate anxiety and um, just not let the youth kind of sit with this unknown. So in that calendar process, uh, telling the youth about the family, they have an opportunity to meet them relatively quickly. And then we just build out a plan to, um, you know, keep them in connection before pushing them into the home. <laughs> you know, we really want them to have some sort of established relationship before moving in. In so many ways, this part of um, the work, it's kind of like online dating or blind dates. You, know? <laughs> you really want to make sure that there's some sort of established relationship and that there's a connection before you would ever consider, um, you know, moving into the partner or taking your relationship to a next level. So just giving everyone the opportunity to get to know one another, to refuse any uh, awkwardness or uncomfortable changes um, is really important because truly this transition is probably gonna be one of the biggest decisions families or youth ever have in their lives. So um, just being really considerate of that uh, is super important. I think before move-in date, after the youth hears about the family, um, things look like uh, visits. The family will um, come meet the youth. They will spend weekends with them. You know, they'll get hotels in whatever part of the state they're placed and just spend time getting to know one another. We like to build in time for phone calls. Um, I think it's important that youth have opportunities to contact the family and that we're flexible if there are different times the youth want to be connected that aren't documented on the calendar. But um, the documentation really just makes sure everyone's on um, a unified schedule and everyone knows what to expect next. Wow. So yes. how long would you say that dating period is? Right. Yeah. So that's um, a really good question. And I think a big reason why it's called child specific recruitment is because even this part of it is going to be pretty child specific. Like there's some kids okay. who are very engaged and ready to go you know I've done transitions where um, a youth has met a family and within a week they want to call their mom and dad cool oh, wow. and I work with other youth that are very standoffish and have um, you know their guard up and rightfully so um, and it takes quite a bit longer to figure out what that would look like. And then there are also logistics with like the use placement and what kind of setting they're in and um, potential discharge plans, you know. But I think the quickest transition calendar I've ever built is maybe three weeks. And um, the longest one I've ever been on is maybe two or three months. But I know of transition calendars that have been built out to almost six months before you permanently moves into a family home. Oh, wow. And, and the six month ones, were those successful as well? Uh, yeah, I think okay. so. 
Um, you know, I'm not super fluent on the outcomes of every case that I'm in proximity to, but um, the ones I've worked on, the longer transitions have been just as successful as the shorter ones. It's really dependent on the youth's comfort level and um, how quickly they're willing to make that relationship. Okay, I like that you guys put the control in the youth's hands. So yeah, it, totally. it depends on how comfortable they are is what I'm hearing you say. That's yeah, great. no, it's really important that um, in ampersand families, we like to say that uh, we're finding families for youth, not youth for families. So we really want to like support the kids specific needs to make sure that they're well um, supported and uh, ready for these big changes. Okay, love it. Yeah, and I think it is important for listeners to know that um, there isn't one set plan for each youth. I mean, it depends on their age. It depends on their comfort level, like you said, and where they are with their, their treatment plan. Um, so yeah, it's, there's just not one answer for all, one fits all. So when you're, so the, you talked about pre-placement visits. Um, mm -hmm. do you, do you go to those or who, who's all involved with a pre-placement visit? Yeah, I, you know, it's really cool when you work with a team that can be really collaborative and, you know, the county worker, the guardian light and the youth current placement, everyone can kind of step up and just help support this youth feel comfortable and maybe take care of some of the logistics to be um, supported in how those connections look. Um, typically, I think a first meeting for a youth and a family, some sort of public setting where a youth feels comfortable or something they enjoy doing is always a really good idea. I think Traditionally, for me, it's always been at a restaurant, somewhere a kid likes, so that it's uh, relatively low risk, and maybe some of the workers could be there to navigate that awkward first meeting, you know. But after that, once a family and a youth are comfortable, um, they have a lot of autonomy to build that relationship themselves, and I think that's super important. It shouldn't always be as um, structured as maybe one of the first meetings or some of the meetings you would have with the youth. Um, just in regular staffing time or with the rest of the team. Um, it's, just, it's just cool that uh, team members can step forward and help get the youth there and they kind of have some autonomy to build that relationship with the family, whatever way feels right for them. I think your relationship as a, a CSR permanency specialist is so important because you do spend so much time with the youth that must be pretty cool to help prep a youth for this transition and the visits yeah. and yes it's pretty yeah. great and it's cool to kind of be a fly on the wall especially in some of those first meetings when you're um, at a transition meeting where a youth is maybe meeting a potential family and you can do some of that um, advocacy for the youth like oh brag a little bit like hey I know this kid is a uh, great at fishing which is something you probably talked about with the family beforehand, but it just opens that door for conversation and connection and doesn't rely on the youth's, you know, social skills to <laughs> really bring out some of that <laughs> stuff themselves. And it's just, it's great to see a lot of that uh, flourish when they really can make that connection and start to form a relationship. Wow, what a well, beautiful job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just it's a little cool. heartbreaking cool too, I works. guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because then you have to end that relationship as well. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. How often would you say you have to redirect and, and stop the 
the road that you're starting to travel down and, and severed ties with certain families? How often would you say that happens? Well, you know, once we get to the point of a transition, hopefully we've determined that this is going to be um, an adoptive placement. So okay. if we get to the point that we're introducing the youth to the family, we've already determined that this is what we're doing. And that's what's so important about this transition is that we, we get to a point where these folks are going to be um, the youth's people and we're moving into the home. We have as many of our bases covered as possible to just make that successful because we determined it's a good fit. We know that this family has a capacity to meet these needs, but now coming into the home, how do you mitigate any problem or any you know, potential disruption with all of the resources that we put in place to make it successful? Got it. Yeah. You know, and it sounds like you do a lot of work on your end, um, but there's probably a lot of work that the families need to do on their end. So right. what, what does the county worker or case manager mm -hmm. have to get families to do um, to prepare for a, a transition? Yeah, so the calendar is a big part of it. That just sets the logistics of times and dates and when we're gonna be introducing folks and spending time together. But another big piece of our transition process is creating a, um, a placement support plan. So I think a big thing of that, it's really sharing all of the youth's current resources and services. So that's talking about, you know, current, um, maybe a doctor or a dentist or therapeutic services, um, school information, um, different resources that they're current, currently accessing in the community, different supports and relationships that they should be carrying with them into the next um, phase and the next placement. And then also communicating if this youth is moving out of their current community and into a new one, what does it look like to identify all of those resources again to make sure that they're in place and ready to go when the youth is already there? So who's going to be the new doctor and the new dentist and the new therapist and the new um, school? Where are we enrolling this kid in swimming lessons or football? You know, something that they're already interested in so they have that stability of social network and um, that physical outlet, things like that. So when thinking about that document, there's the transition of services and resources. And then it's also sharing um, contact information for everyone that is either currently on the case or who is going to be involved. Um, and I think beyond the team, so beyond the you know, permanency specialist and the county worker, guardian litem, family worker, everyone that's involved professionally, it's also just making sure everyone has information about the folks that the youth can access, that they um, obviously carry with them personally. They don't move and lose that network that they had in their home community. So um, really important that uh, everyone is just collaborative and works together to make sure all of this is transferred over and the family is doing as much um, navigation as they can in their own community to make sure that they are uh, ready to parent, you know? <laughs> I think in a lot of ways when you're um, maybe parenting birth children, these are things that you kind of figure out as you go, you know? Like you don't, you don't have a baby and think, okay, this is the contact I'm going to have at the kindergarten, or like this is a dentist I'm going to use in five years from now, or the orthodontist that they might need. <laughs> but when you have a youth that's a teenager, especially the kids that we work with at Ampersand, all of that needs to happen right now. And these are services that they're gonna need 
immediately in your home. So just keeping everyone informed and all on the same page of what that looks like is really important. And I think a piece of that too, and um, we can talk about this later, Chris, if it's more fitting, but uh, just creating safety plans and also figuring out what that looks like if crisis were to come up. That's a big piece of um, placement support and transition as well. Yeah, crisis plans are very important. Totally. To have readily available instead of mm -hmm. thinking about it as the moment happens. Right. Yeah, it truly is a, a team effort for this transition plan. A lot goes into it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's really important that um, the youth team is very collaborative with the family. And a big thing about transition is that families absolutely need to communicate their needs. Um, I think it has always been more successful when families say, you know, I'm not sure what dentist we're going to use, or I don't know what that would look like, because then we can figure it out together, right? We can make that plan and we can have it documented and then everyone knows where we're taking the next steps. Um, there might be a sense of anxiety or like this feeling of, I need to be prepared and have this all figured out, but that's not true at all. It's a very big undertaking and it's a huge change for everyone. So open communication and um, just supporting everyone involved is uh, really important in a transition. Yeah, that's a really important point. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I always appreciated families that that would say, I don't know, or I need help with this, right. or um, we couldn't find something instead of those that down the road, you found out later. So yeah, and uh, dental you know, insurance is hard to find for MA. So totally. it's, it's really hard. <laughs> and what is I'm MA? sorry, Sunny. That's okay. What's MA? It's usually the medical assist, whatever medical assistance that foster youth are on. Okay. So not all dental offices take or accept that insurance. Right. Okay. So I got to tell you, Chris, the three, this is the third podcast that you and I have done together. And in the previous two, Jory, your, your um, theme is, is really dovetailing nicely with the others because oh, cool. there has been a theme of vulnerability for the families. Mm. And so you're touching on that, you know, just be completely honest. And when you're completely honest and you have to admit that you don't know certain things, then you're put in a vulnerable position. But really by allowing yourself to do that, it sounds like that benefits the youth. Totally. More. Yeah. yeah. So this is, it, it, it's, um, yeah, I'm glad that you highlighted that because it's right. uh, quite, quite the theme that's been. You know, isn't that funny? It kind of feels like I, I wish there was a different way to communicate this at the beginning of this process, but sometimes it feels like um, families might feel like they're being interviewed, right? Like that they're mm -hmm. needing to show up as the, their best selves in all cases and in all scenarios all the time. Like when you go to a job interview, you don't necessarily say, sometimes I'm really not going to work that hard, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, which is true. That's how we all work, right? But you're not going to say that. Uh, and families kind of show up with like, I can do this and I'm prepared and I have it down and I know what it looks like and all of that. But like, no, you're a human who is taking on a huge undertaking and these kids are going to need a lot of support. So just being honest with what you could use, what would help you be successful, um, communicating your needs and your lack of um, education in certain areas is going to be so important. You know, like if we weren't doing this work, we wouldn't really know all these things. And if we're the professionals, lean into us and 
let us help you navigate that so that this whole transition is it's as successful as it can be. That's a really good point. I mean, how many have you been through? I and mean, for example, I'm not actually asking for a number, but how many oh, sure. placements have you been through versus a family? How many placements have they been through? Exactly. So yes, so absolutely lean on the professionals because you've just seen more just by nature right. of your, your job. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to know, because I hadn't you know, worked with youth like you do, but what do the youth that you work with think is most important? Mm. Like what a family could know, like maybe there's a common theme with the youth that you work with. Yeah. What makes them feel most comfortable? Yeah, that's, that's really great. I think a big thing that youth will note off the bat is that they want to feel like there's a connection. You know, they want to feel like there's something that brings them together and it feels like it fits where they come from first. Um, and that could be a lot of different ways. I think youth want to see people that look like them. I think youth want to see folks that have similar interests or similar religious backgrounds. I think youth want to see um, families that have a composition they were into or maybe have pets if that's something they really enjoy. They want, they want, there has to be a common tie, some sort of like bonding theme. Um, and then I think what's really helpful, especially from a youth perspective, is the stability in the calendar that families are willing to show up and that they're going to continue to show up, that um, they just really take that initiative to show that they're genuinely interested in getting to know them and uh, spending time together. Um, and there's so many ways that families can show, especially in a transition, um, that they really care about, you know, learning about this youth's interests and their needs and um, making them a part of the family long-term. I have uh, some families in the past that going through transition, they'll learn something about the youth and then um, they'll implement that in their home or they'll make it a part of their routine so that if the youth were to come to visit, that's gonna be something they do. Uh, or it's something that they've added to um, their environment. You know, Maybe the youth really likes video games and they found a video game that they can all play together. Or um, I think it's really cool when families incorporate photos into the home, like either during a transition or post-placement of things and folks that youth really care about. Um, there was a case I worked on where um, this youth had a very uh, strong connection to a rapper they really enjoyed. So the family bought a poster. So when they came to do um, you know, a weekend during the transition, there was a poster of that rapper in the youth room that he was staying in. Which, oh, cool. that's great. Isn't that's that awesome. nice? <laughs> yeah. It's just yes. like showing ways that I'm willing to connect and I'm willing to make that relationship and show you that I'm actually paying attention and I want to stick this out with you. Yeah, I think those photos really go a long way, like putting a photo on the family photo wall or the refrigerator. Yeah. They see that and they're just kind of like, they might not say anything, but they see it. Yeah, yeah. So great. Um, so then a transition has happened, the youth has moved in. How long do you stay on the case with the youth and the family? Yeah, um, so there's some logistics that go into that, like maybe um, the recruitment period. So a child-specific recruiter or permanency specialist, we're working on like six-month periods. So depending on when that contract starts kind of determines 
how much more time we spend with the youth. We can also do a transition, which looks like three additional months to just help make sure that relationship is successful in the home. And that's also very dependent on the youth's needs. Some kids will move in and they're good to go. We really don't have anything else to do. So um, they're happy to say goodbye and that's great. That's exactly what we want. But uh, other placements and other youth might have some bigger needs and they just need more team collaboration to be successful. And that's totally okay too. Well, this is so great. Um, Sunny, can you think of anything else that that's on your mind about transitions and? You know, no, I think this is a good spot. I really like Jory's enthusiasm. It just <laughs> comes right through. So we're, we're very happy to have that. And, and, and I think it'll be very helpful for families to hear what's to come or, you know, this is kind of, it sounds like this is the fun part, like you're rounding the, you know, you're at mile 22 right. or 23, yeah. and you just pass the wall and you're there, you're ready. So yeah. I, it's um, very helpful. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Ampersand Families has a great staff. Enjoy your one of the best. So thanks for spending the afternoon chatting with us. Oh, thanks. You all are cool too. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for joining us today for Let's Talk. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to our podcast and tune in again soon.